is in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Game over, man. Game over. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You are invited to an open house where horror will be your host. Don't fall asleep. We are in uncharted territory, Liz. Oh. We're three parts in now. I never thought we'd do a triple parter. Well, I know. Who knew? It all just started looking at a little, you know, green frog on a bicycle. Um, and then it sort of evolved to a little green frog on a bicycle in a yeah. spaceship. And I made the joke of, oh, well, you know, at least they're not near an atomic power plant. <laughs> and then we discovered that we were by an atomic power plant. <laughs> so I began to, I guess, sort of have a, I guess, a humorous look at the, you know, nearby power plant. Yeah. And sort of see if we could sort of like jokingly come up with an explanation for, you know, the Loveland Frogman. Yeah. It turns out I fell into a bed of <laughs> a uranium-filled bed of mystery, murder, cover-ups and stolen body parts. Still not the worst bed you've ever fallen into. <laughs> I'm not proud of it, but... <laughs> Miss Broken Hill 1993. Good work. <laughs> oh, my God. You're so judgmental. And, uh, we will get into that in a second because this is part mm. three and we should give people a bit of a warning now. Mm. There's actually going to be a fourth part to this as well. But we're not going to make people wait. So we're going to do both episodes today and we're going to drop the next one in a few days' time after this one's come out. Yes. So basically just Two in a week. Two in a week. Woo! Oh, look out, last podcast on the left. We're coming (laughs) for you. We're coming for you. Well, if only we had their resources and time. Oh, my. Well, that's it. I have become such like a madman and I really should have taken like a picture of (laughs) – uh, my the <laughs> on my second uh bedroom because I look like a mad woman yeah. where basically I just have all these like pictures of the atomic power plant <laughs> you know all, I've done everything but string it together you know and be like oh my god this, the mysterious pathways <laughs> and it's one of those things where like I've never been someone who thinks oh you know there's these you know oh my god government conspiracy government conspiracy. Only because I find that most governments are far too incompetent to ever do uh, like a major conspiracy. However, once I started digging down um, into the Fernald power plant, yeah, yeah, I went full rabbit warren. Uh, There's a, let's just say there had to be a lot of people contributing to what happened at Fernald. That's all I'm going to say. Fair enough. Teaser alert. Very good. Because mm. there's another there's another bed that we need to deal with, and that's the Ooh. fact that we're actually not in mine this week. Yes. Which yeah. is good. Yay! I'm healed just enough to sit on a seat. Ah, uh, did I get did I get the part in the next <laughs> Tarantino film? That's the question. <laughs> well, the thing is, so I I've been I've been stuck in bed with pretty serious back pain for the last week. Sure, I'd say. <laughs> and there's not it was fuck. It's hard to wank in a pot plant when you can't stand. <laughs> It's, there's not much to watch at the moment. So the yeah. first thing that I did was I binged the new HBO series. I think it's HBO, Dope yeah. Sick. Which oh, is ironic, okay, yeah. Which is ironic because it's about people with chronic back pain in the in the coal country USA getting hooked on OxyContin. Yeah. It's like we can't even get fucking anything. We can't even get codeine here. 
<laughs> I'm lying there with my paracetamol looking at all these hillbillies going, fuck, they've got it good. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. I can only wish. It's like me when I watch The Thing to like because yeah. I'm jealous of their snow. You watch it to be like, fuck, I wish I was up to my nose in Oxycontin. I'd, I'd suck dick in a 7-Eleven to fucking get rid of this back pain. I don't care. I've been through addiction. I, I can go back and get more biscuits in a fellowship circle. It's fine. We should do a medical disclaimer for people listening. If you are experiencing back pain, we cannot guarantee that sucking the dick of a man in a 7-Eleven will alleviate your back pain. That is not – we are not (laughs) medically recommending that. We are not health professionals uh, in any way. So please don't do that. Yeah, that's the latest thing from Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop probably. (laughs) <laughs> this candle smells like a guy blowing another guy in the back of a 7-Eleven due to chronic <laughs> back pain <laughs> and a capitalist health market. Imagine if you picked up that candle and smelled it and go, it does smell like a fucking blowjob in a 7-Eleven. <laughs> God damn you, Gwyneth. It's got the great bubblegum fucking soda flavour and everything. Oh, my God. You can... Oh, and there's lovely undertones of despair. Mm, I really get that. Oh, ooh, and bergamot. <laughs> well, they don't have that in Pennsylvania <laughs> where all this shit happened. What have they got? They've got alfalfa. Alfalfa and almonds. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. So dope sick, which was mm. great. So the irony of watching a show about fucking opioid addiction mm. while stuck on a bed praying for opiates was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, followed your recommendation and went yes. for Squid Game. Yes. Fuck, that is the worst shit Oh, fuck. How far along did you get in? How much? Two how episodes. That's all it gets. Two episodes. I, two episodes. Ah, uh, no, no. You know what it is? No, it's not that there's anything wrong with Squid Game. It's because I know what you're like. You are a hundred percent. Your whole being is based on the fact that you think you're cool because you <laughs> like the bands that none, nobody else likes. All I was right, in the bands that nobody else likes, and you were like, "Oh my god, everyone in the world loves Squid Game." So I'm going to be that one person to be like, "I don't like it." No, I'm not the contrarian streaming service guy. When Narcos hit big, I loved Narcos. Mm-hmm. When fucking Stranger Things happened, I loved Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Mindhunter, all those great shows. Squid Game is just a shit mashup it's of... It's not a shit mashup you needed to go through to the end. Two episodes, it's still finding its feet. It's a shit mashup of Rollerball, The Holy Mountain no. and Battle no. Royale. No, and and the, the dude looks like the fucking villain from Zardoz. You are 100%... Wrong. Okay. And you can't compare it to something like, you know, Battle Royale. Because, like, Battle Royale, okay, brilliant film. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant film. But it's a film. Okay. This is a nine part series. Of yeah. course, it's going to be drawn out with more sort of character development. I'm, I'm not saying the character development was missing. I'm saying it's a terrible premise. It's not a terrible Terribly premise. Terribly executed. A real, no, because you know what? I, I was watching it while I was sitting there on medication having my. <sighs> teeth you know pulled out okay and like looking at the you know the fact that if I lost all my teeth I couldn't afford you know new teeth and I would have to be going around in this world gumless I have never felt more connected to people and the economic dystopian reality yeah you know the people that can't afford to live they can't afford to die and what you would do and like other people being desperate enough to like not see people as other people but as dollar signs but that's the thing like where's the humanization of it because they're all gambling addicts they've all stolen they're not just people who are victims of late capitalism no no see that's it they do that at the beginning because so you try to be like oh they don't want you to feel bad from the beginning 
But as it moves on, you find out more about these people. Okay. Um, and the the assumption is they try to make you think, oh, these are all just like gambling addicts. But they're not as right. as it moves on and you find. There's someone who's there just because they're dying. They right. don't have the money to die. All right. I'll make a pact with you. Mm-hmm. If we do an episode on Squid Game, uh-huh. specifically the auto strike in Korea that was the the fucking inspiration for uh-huh. Squid Game, yep. I will torture myself and sit through the remaining seven episodes. Done. Okay. And you will thank me for it. And I know, oh my God, I know uh, there's an episode that's going to make you cry because it makes everybody cry. It's the new Tyrell test on whether you're a synthetic a replicant or not okay. is if you cry or not. Yeah. <laughs> but if the, only a replicant could make it through those first two episodes. <sighs> He's so unlikable. He's not. He's so unlikable. And not only that, he's animated. Like, he literally behaves like a character from fucking Pokemon. <laughs> he does. Jumps uh, up and down like, ah, like he does that super... I oh know, okay, it's a cultural that's thing. That's how I behave. You hang out with me. <laughs> Woo-woo, I'm alive. Pokemon go. <laughs> oh, my God. Gotta catch them all. It's me and my pants. And you put up with me. All right. Make a note of this. Men, I, I know not you, disease, by the way. Make a note of this because uh-huh. I know we always like to come back to me saying something fucking stupid, uh-huh. playing it again during the episode so that I have to wear it, like yeah. promising to buy a haunted doll. Yeah. So if we get through Squid Game, yep. we'll come back to the nine-minute mark Yep. and I'll eat my words. Yeah, absolutely. You are you are so going to eat your words. Well, good because they're fucking tastier than half that vegan shit you bring around. Oh, fuck off. You love it. You fucking love it. Once you go vegan, you never go Razorback. <laughs> That's a new fucking rhyme. <laughs> Don't judge me. All the vegans at home will yeah. be sitting there going, oh, yeah, she, she's she's cool. I will say this, though. The other yeah. show that I've binged is Manhattan, which oh, is that? The, the dramatised uh, story of the Manhattan Project developing the atomic bomb. Oh. So I've been I've been living in the atomic bomb world. Oh. Well, Lou is going crazy. <laughs> She's like, can we watch something good? I'm like, no, this is a period drama. I won't, uh, wa- I won't watch any other period drama except one that involves World War II because I'm a man over the age of 40. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's It's in your blood. It is. It is oh, now. Oh, my God. Well, on that explosive, you know, revelation. Oh, there, there I am on my little segue like hey, Paul hey. Blood. <laughs> oh, my God. I think, you know what? I think we better stay on that atomic stream. Let's do it. Oh, I wish we, we should have got one of those like ads from like the 1950s where it's all like, atom power is the way of the future. Paint your house with lead paint. <laughs> Drink your DDT. <laughs> ah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. Look, I have to admit, like one would have thought that with the ending of the Second World War, its victorious allies would have welcomed in a reinvigorating age of peace and friendship. You would have thought, wouldn't you? You would have thought, yeah. Look, the reality was far from this as the world's now top two superpowers, America and Russia, descended into a distinctly icy cold war of threats, real and imagined. We've been through this. I I, I was waiting for you to go on like a diatribe about, they had no money. The Russians had zero money once they collapsed. (laughs) The USR, it was defunct. No? You're not going to go on a tirade? No, I'm not because Ronald Reagan wrongly claims the the victory for that. Bankrupting the Soviet Union when it was arguably the Chernobyl explosion. 
mm. that was the final nail in their coffin. Yeah. Well, you know, that was just it was just weird, and then they resurrected from the coffin. I'm still looking at my little mixing board here, thinking that we could actually in real time change our voices so we could sound like old timey newscasters. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, don't tempt me. We'll just do the entire <laughs> podcast like that. Are there oh. Russians in your house? <laughs> we could just do the whole bit. The 50s began a hypervigilant age of checking under the bed for little red communist men and checking the skies for unidentified flying little green men. <laughs> Join with your citizens, set up newsletter and report sightings of UFOs. Join your local community groups and monitor the airwaves for Russian spies. So the thing is, I haven't done any of that modification to your voice, so you just sound like a very enthusiastic community broadcaster who works at Walmart. <laughs> There's somebody there trying to like, yeah, damn, Russians. <laughs> Specials on snow travels, aisle five. <laughs> the Russians are perking up again, Medisu. <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to do this. Oh, now you do it. Yeah, now I'm doing it. Oh, you're so mean to me. There we go. Go. <laughs> but for all the fear and terror, these two groups would do nothing to the inhabitants of a group of a small town in Ohio. If the inhabitants wanted to see the real danger, they simply should have walked outside their homes and looked straight down the street to the facility <laughs> built by their own government. <laughs> the facility producing uranium for nuclear weapons and cookware and nuclear fuel rods for atomic plants. <laughs> the same facility that was releasing a deadly cocktail into the environment... And it's people. <laughs> That's enough of my terrible Orson Welles radio play nonsense, I think. <laughs> uh, I enjoy that. That was fun. It was good 50s fun. was cracking. Absolutely. New uh, fridge, misogyny. How fucking oh, hard was Lord. life then? <laughs> In this week's episode of Fernal's Feed Materials Production Center and the disappearance of David Box. And Larry Hill's bits. That's like the prototype for Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events. Oh, yeah. Speaking of a series of unfortunate events. Oh. <laughs> or I went to Ferneld Feed Materials Production Center and all I got was this lousy $100 billion cleanup. Oh, no. Or Ferneld Feeds the Frogman Uranium. <laughs> shout out to the other way. <laughs> <laughs> or you get uranium dust and you get uranium dust and you get uranium dust and you get actually physically murdered and then we say you committed suicide even though that's pretty much impossible in this circumstance. Oh, dear. Yeah. This may not be like, this may not be the episode. If you're about to like, if you've just joined a government agency, this may not be the one to listen to on day one. Oh, we're definitely on a list. <laughs> Our Google oh. histories alone have put us on a list. Yeah, we should we should drink no more, you know, uranium smelling tea <laughs> from this part. That's all I'm going to suggest. Oh no. Now, the Atomic Energy Commission was an agency of the U.S. government. You know, just to give a little bit of backstory for yeah. those who don't know, um, it was established by Congress to encourage, but also control all of the atomic research, development, and functionality in the United States. And on January the 1st, 1947, the Atomic Energy Commission took control of everything right. in the United States, uh, everything atomic, including all of the plants, the equipment laboratories, and even the people who produced the, the atomic bomb. 
And Godzilla. And Godzilla. (laughs) The Atomic Energy Commission researched, studied and invented. The Atomic Energy Commission was also the body that decided if the Atomic Energy Commission research, studies and inventions were safe and ethical. Oh, there's some of that good old good old free market oversight the Americans love so much. <laughs> Con- conflict of interest. <laughs> Let's just let the drug industry write their own warnings for drug labels. That's what could go wrong? New oxycontinose for your <laughs> breakfast. Nom, 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 nom. In 1948, the commission set about constructing, quote, a large-scale integrated facility for the production of fabricated uranium fuel cores by chemical and metallurgical techniques. <sighs> See, Chernobyl is just so much nicer. Oh, my God. It just rolls off the tongue. And then your tongue rolls off. Oh. <laughs> it's under the ground. <laughs> oh, my speech, Kratzky. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a perfect example of, you know how there was that Herbert, there was like that running joke yeah. about... Um, the US government spent like $50 million to invent uh, a biro that would write in space yeah. and the Russians just sharpened, a, just took a pencil. Yeah. So, that's, that's the old wives' tale. They didn't do that. I know. Yes. Yeah, yeah I know. But it's it's such a good story. So, this is a very strange little sidetrack. But yeah. growing up in uh, the, the wonderful town of Port Perry, mm. there's going to be a few of these tonight. Speaking of tongues falling off, I just yeah. remembered that our parish priest, we had one who was a oh. World War II uh, prisoner of war survivor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had actually had his tongue cut out by the Japanese in Singapore. Holy shit. And he would still say mass and he couldn't form words. Oh. So he'd be sitting there at school while this priest would come in and go. It was like, it was like having the, the parents in Snoopy <laughs> say mass. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, and it was always cool when like some new kid had come to school. Like, what's wrong with fucking Father Joe? Oh, he was tortured by the Japanese. Oh, I would have been like, oh my god, I think he's been possessed by Satan. <laughs> <laughs> he's speaking in tongues, ironically. <laughs> Go see him for confessions. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. Yeah, I think we're cool. Apparently, I make up with God if I do. <laughs> That's what got me in this mess. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. The amount of times it's got me in the trouble. <laughs> uh, see, it's one of those things because it happened like during the war. Everybody, like nobody, would be. Are you the guy who's going to mention it to him? No. Oh, we don't think you should do mass. But that's the thing. Like, I don't know, Barry. You know, sure, go ahead, Barry. You look at those photos of people coming back from war back then, mm. and it's commonplace. Like dudes with legs missing, guys with yeah. arms missing, guys with horrific facial injuries. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why people are so anti-vaccine now because we've got it too fucking good. Oh yeah. You don't yeah. have you don't have twenty blokes in your work team that are missing legs and shit like that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well see, I think that's the problem with like modern warfare. It sounds like all of our like our soldiers like come back just with their genitals blown off and because yeah. people don't see it. You know? Maybe there's the the pro vaccine movement needs to show more blown off genitals. I think so. It's like oh, look, this is oh, the sufferings, what could happen to you? Yeah. Mm. Oh Lord. Um I lost my point. <laughs> well, I can, I can tell you the other Port Perry story. Oh, God. Okay, hit me. So there was a uranium enrichment plant. On oh, the, here we go. On the outskirts of town. They just walled it off, basically. And one time we got our little 4 by 4 bogged out there. Oh, no. And we dug ourselves out by hand. Oh, no. And we came back with metal filings in our hands and had to tweeze metal filings out of our hands. We're like, what the fuck could that be from a uranium enrichment plant? Anyway, I've got real dental problems now. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. <laughs> 
very it's very similar to our story. This didn't way. see a frogman though. Yeah. Well. Um, <laughs> Uh, now, the uh, the plant was called the Fernald Feed Materials Production Centre because the fuel rods and materials it produced would mainly feed the three closest nuclear reactors. That's a scary sentence, the three closest <laughs> nuclear reactors. Yeah. It was also to become the America's for, repository. For reference, we have one in Australia. Yeah. We have one. Yeah, and I'm not happy about it. No, nah, me either. Yeah. When are they going to shut that shit down? It's old and like leaky. Oh my god! You know what? We should just—I feel like we should just put this in an envelope. This episode, just on a cassette tape, <laughs> and just leave it in the letterbox of everybody who's living around that fucking thing. Because you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't drink the water. Um. Oh my god! So the Fernald Feed Production Center it would also become America's repository for the—I never even know this was a thing until I researched it. For the radioactive material thorium, <laughs> actually named after Thor, is it really? Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, um, it was developed by somebody from oh, oh, what, oh Lord, was it Scan- Scandinavia? I think just off the top of my so head, it was a one of those. Yeah, what, one of those areas, and so he actually named it after Thor. <laughs> Um, although you know what, it's it's good these days. We we still harvest thorium, yeah. um, but we just we just get it when a Hemsworth takes off his shirt. Um, people just run in and just you know scrape it off him. They really um, should have named something after Christianity like that because it's toxic. Oh, but I'm pumped. Jesusium. Now we're going to get letters. Yeah, now we're going to get letters. <laughs> Fernald, Ohio, was picked because it was flat. Remote, but yet still close enough to Cincinnati to attract workers and family. Yeah. And the site was located directly above a large water aquifer. What could possibly go wrong here? This sounds smart. Because the site drilled down in to feed the plant's water needs. The site occupied 1,050 acres or 425 hectares. Uh, For From 1951 to 1989, the site worked feeding those needs for 38 years. In 1960, it recorded a record high. How much radioactive material do you think it was feeding in 1960? How much? Like kilos? 10,000 metric tonnes. What? That's how much they were putting into it. That That's, uh, yeah. No, that's how much it produced at the end. Holy fuck. 10,000 metric tons. So that was everything from, you know, the the bits that would be used in atomic weapons and it's also like the fuel rods that yeah. would go for the nuclear reactors. Like stuff for nuclear medicine as well or uh, no, it all seemed pretty warry okay. um, yep. or atomic planty, from what I could. It <laughs> very seemed Simpsons-y. like, yeah, it didn't seem like it was any of the soft grade stuff. It okay. all seemed very high grade stuff, from yep. what I was reading. Um, I can't guarantee that. But. Okay. Um, its lowest year was in 1975 when it produced only uh, 1,230 metric tons. Oh, that all. Mm. The, the process converting these raw materials into feed was a complicated process. It required a complicated series of chemical and metallurgical processes that happened over the nine plants across the site, each one specialising in a particular process. Yep. So you walk around, basically there's just nine giant factories and then you know admin buildings. Yep. So whilst working in plant one, 
Uh, the main danger was a radioactive gas uh, that was both invisible and without smell. Oh, good. Nothing to worry about there. In plan two, at least you could see what you had to avoid. These were basically puddles of nitric acid on the floor. Uh, Fernald actually employed its own cobblers to repair all the work boots uh, exposed to this acid. That That is some third world shit. What? You, you got your own cobbler? Yeah, it's like uh, we're like I'm literally melting and like losing two centimetres a day. That's We've got the solution. We're not going to fix that leaky pipe. Take it to the cobbler. Take it to the cobbler. Take the cobbler. You know what? You know what's cheaper than repairing your hundred billion dollar production uh, facility? Get in a cobbler. Get in a cobbler. Imagine being that poor dude having to like just nails in his mouth. Tink 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 tink. Oh my god! You know what the thing is? Like, I just imagine like everyone just sitting in this meeting, like, "Oh my god, it's a goddamn catastrophe! What are we going to do? This is a hundred million dollar facility. Like, to get the to get the thorium in, stop it getting to the environment. It's going to cost us billions of dollars." And there is like Jason Bateman down the end. Or we could get a cobbler. <laughs> god damn it! You're a genius. The guy out the back was just a blower vac. <laughs> Get that silent gas. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Now, another hazard was nitrogen dioxide fumes that came off vats of nitric acid. Like, everything about this just sounds cool and okay. Um, On high humidity days in summer, people reported an orange cloud surrounding the building. (laughs) And anyone foolish enough to walk past without protective equipment or unfortunately be standing there when the wind changed and blew it at them, the person who wasn't in protective equipment would experience the sensation of wandering into a swarm of angry bees. Oh, wow. so it's just nitric acid in the air. Just in, just hanging around. Wow. At least you could see it, though. Oh, my God. You know, you're like, oh, my God, quick, save the cobbler. <laughs> the angry bee gas is coming. Just a whole bunch of skeletons with really nice boots. <laughs> <laughs> like a Ray Harryhausen feature. Oh, my God. It's just, I'm just reading this and you're like, okay, so there's radioactive gas that we can't smell. There's orange gas that's radioactive that we can smell as like angry bees. Oh, but new shoes, you say. Yeah. New shoes. Not even new shoes. Repaired shoes. <laughs> oh, Lord. In plant five... It saw the thermite reduction of green salt with magnesium in steel vaults, uh, steel vats, I should say. And in this one, you know, don't, you didn't have to worry. It wasn't so much like gas. There were just many documented explosions of the furnaces within the plant. Um, and the building would then fill with radioactive smoke and occasionally molten uranium metal would pour out the bottom of the vat. Jesus fucking Christ. I like the word occasionally. Occasionally. Wow. You know, um, I don't know what a cobbler can do about that situation, but yes. So this has always been my argument against increasing the Australian radioactive Mm -hmm. fuels industry. Yeah, 100%. Because it'll be staffed by fucking Australians. Yeah. And we are just the laziest half-assed people on the face of the earth. (laughs) Like, we think it's a good idea to celebrate by drinking alcohol out of a boot. Yeah. Well, should be right, mate. I have napped on so many jobs. Yeah. Like, fucking don't put me in charge of a nuclear steel vat. No. 
containing a swarm of angry bees and molten <laughs> radiation. Jesus, man. Why would you do that? Oh, Lord. Now, over a thousand people worked at the plant and it paid reasonably well. <laughs> reasonably well for, you know, being in a swarm of radioactive angry bee gas. This is the American solution. There's a skeleton with nice boots. Give it an oxy. Yeah. Woo! Start you off with 40 milligrams. Individualize the dose. <laughs> okay, you were cut off from that show. Cut off. I've already binged it. <laughs> the most important thing was that management always assured the workers that their jobs were doing, that they were doing, was safe. And they had nothing to worry about if they always followed procedure. Now, here's everyone's packet of work cigarettes. Oh, Lord, yeah. Here's some lead paint for your children's cots. <laughs> oh, these were work uh, safety measures, okay? One of the main sort of aspects of their safety measure were, shall we say, radiation badges. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with these. So it's a, it's essentially a tag that changes colour. Mm-hmm, yep. mm-hmm. Uh, we'll go into a little more depth in these radiation badges later because okay. you've got your badge. Yeah. So you're safe. This is all cool, yep. you know, as long as you're not breathing in silent radioactive gas yep. or walking through a steam of bees or pats of acid. You're fine. You're fine. Um, now, critics of the Atomic Energy Commission, would you believe there were critics? Mm. Would you believe haters are always going to hate? Communists, you mean? Oh, <laughs> communists uh, through the 60s and the 70s kept claiming that the Atomic Energy Commission regulations, would you believe, were severely lax in regards to many things such as radiation protection standards <sighs> and environmental production. Hippies! Those trees can choose to move. They've got freedom. Exactly. That's what the state is all about. Exactly. So the atom- Give that tree a gun. He <laughs> <laughs> could shoot the nuclear gas from the sky if it wanted to. From my cold, <laughs> dead, dead feet. <laughs> oh, the Atomic Energy Commission was abolished in 1974 uh, because by 1974 everyone agreed Oh, it was a bit shit. So was that was that the Gerald Ford years? Was that Nixon? Well, was Nixon. It was split into two different organisations yep. in '74, but then in 1977, uh, President Jimmy Carter introduced the Department of Energy Organisation Act of 1977. Okay, Jimmy Carter, he's a good guy. And the Department of Energy was created, and these two f- organisations fell under its wings. Yeah. So basically we had what was the problem was that, you know, you've got this it's doing the research and the checking and oh you can't have them in the same organization. That's great. So we that's bad. We gotta break them up. So they break them up and they broke them up and then put them back under the same oh, good. banner. But on different leaves of the tree. Okay. So yeah. you know, what could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? Um, a private company named the National Lead of Ohio, the NLO, um, was brought in to oversee management of the Fernald plant. Right. In 1981, David Box was hired as a pipe fitter at the Fernald plant. David was six foot one and weighed about 180 to 200 pounds. She must have got serious if they figured they need more than just a cobbler. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. 
Because <laughs> they've got a cobbler and a pipe fitter. Okay, big man. Big man. Six foot one, 180, 200 pounds, legally blind in his right eye, which is what prevented him from going to Viet, uh, Vietnam. So he didn't do a scription. Yep. Worked as a pipe fitter. Uh, David was solid with broad shoulders. And now I'm not just giving you this just so you can be like, mmm, okay. This is very important for later. Oh God. Okay. Okay. Broad shoulders. Oh no. Okay. And like many in his field of work had very strong upper body strength. Yeah. Big man. Big man. It definitely helped as the upkeep of the plant was constant. The plant was over 30 years old. Pipes were always cracking or leaking. David was a father of three kids. Oh, no. Who he saw every week. Oh, no. And he was still on very good terms with his ex-wife. Okay. David spent the weekend with his two children who slept over. His third child, Tony, was 17 and married. Hey. And oh my god, this is 81. Why are you 17 and married? 17 and married. I know you're in the like rural Ohio. 17 and married. 17 and married. If I got married at 17, I would have married Optimus Prime. Don't get married at 17. No. That's too young to be married. It's it's a little it's a little on the Epstein side. Of right? Don't be married at 17. Hey, if you find the one, you find the one. Maybe you can wait till you're 20. Again, you're 17. You think the one is Optimus Prime. (laughs) No. They could be fucking making him at that place for all you know. (laughs) Working on Energon. (laughs) That's what that tongueless priest used to sound like. There's just some guy at the back trying to fucking hammer some nails into him. <laughs> Fuck's sake, Barry. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, so 17 and married. <sighs> I love how that's your sticking point for what is obviously going to be a gruesome end to a large, nice man. I'm just saying. Okay. <sighs> so that child simply stopped, child, simply stopped by for dinner rather than an overnight stay like his younger siblings. I don't know. They could have been married as well. Who knows? David brought three packets of cigarettes cigarettes, and a weekly supply of groceries. Yes. Um, And as he unpacked the groceries at home, David and the kids talked about an upcoming holiday in Florida they were all looking forward to. Uh, Later worried that he may become too sleepy at work, David took the kids home early to their mother so that he could have a nap before his shift. Good move. It's being responsible. Don't get to work tired. It's not um, a bad idea. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, that and David allegedly had reported a fellow co-worker for being asleep on the job. Um, so you can't really then. No. You know. <laughs> um, there was a part of me, I've got to admit, there was a part of me at first where I was like, oh, you fucking scab. You don't <laughs> dob on your co-work. That's a dog act, mate. Right? Yeah. Like don't dob in your colleague to management. Like yeah. dog act. And then I went at the nuclear power plant. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, mm. I was really conflicted. I was really conflicted. I'm like, dog act, you're a fucking dog for sleeping at the nuclear power plant. That's some Jeff Bundy level fucking disassociation from reality. Yeah. Like, just get, <laughs> fucking get a nap. Like, I, I look, I've gone to work 
drunk like we all have in Australia. Of course. People going to work with a hangover. Our Deputy Prime Minister does it weekly. I know. But I don't work at the nuclear power plant processing facility. How do you catch a kip? Just wake me up if the poison cloud gets too close. Yeah. <laughs> if this alarm starts beeping, don't come a squeaking. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. So, on June the 20th, 1984, at around 10.50pm, David met up with his carpooling buddy, Harry Esterling, at White Castle. Cool. The men grabbed a meal before driving to the plant for their 12am to 8am shifts. The next morning, Harry Esterling was getting pretty impatient. Right. Waiting for David to show up. Harry stood by the time clock so that... The workers had to clock on and off at every shift yeah. uh, to make sure they wouldn't miss each other. Yeah. Harry was actually scheduled to look at a house for a sale in the area, really close to the, the factory, and didn't want to miss the appointment. So reluctantly, he wrote a note saying, Dave, I'll be back after I go look at the house in Ross. Harry. Harry left and he went to the house inspection and returned, figuring David had just got caught up in some repair. Let's face it, the place has fallen to bits. Yeah, and, you know, you're a pipe fitter. You can't just leave the radium <laughs> gas, you know, leaking. Just Flintstones out of the place. Yeah. <laughs> See you later, boys. Oh, my God, except you just slide down the yellow radioactive cloud. <laughs> oh, God, like the worst kind of Aladdin. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Lucky my boots are good. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, he figured he got caught in some repair. But when he returned, there was still no sign of David. Okay. They were scheduled to clock off at 8 a.m. Right. It was now 10.45. Oh, yeah. That's some unpaid overtime. Mm-hmm. So, his buddy wrote – his buddy – I question the word buddy. His buddy wrote a Nate that just said, Dave, waited to 10.45, finally went home. Sorry, Harry. Fuck, at least he stuck around that long. Be a little bit worried. Well, a little bit. Have you mate at, at the, the atomic time, processing plant but disappeared? A lot, of, a lot of people work there. <laughs> Meanwhile, another worker, David Allen, arrived for his shift at the plant. He was working that day in plant six, working with the I'm gonna say New Sal Vault. N-U-S-A-L. Okay. It's a new cell vault. The VAT was four feet wide. And about 10 feet long. Oh, he's joking into this shit, hasn't he? It was filled with a horrible mix of sodium chloride and potassium chloride, kept at a lukewarm 1350 degrees Fahrenheit. Fucking hell. Okay. The slurry would shape chunks of uranium into little ingots. A heavy lid made of concrete covered the vat when not in use. Even then, a small opening remained approximately 22 by 9 inches wide or about two sheets of A4 paper. Right. Okay. So, I've actually got a picture of the vat here if you want to have a look. Okay. And, and that's, the little, that's the little opening. That's the little opening. It's so, glowing. Yes. Because it's that fucking hot. It's that fucking hot. It's, you know what, it reminds me of you know, in Terminator where they lower the Terminator into the vat. At the end, it's that, but with a tiny little vagina yeah, opening. Yeah, it's kind of like um, if if maybe Pennywise the Clown reaching out of a drain to get Georgie. 
Yes. It's like that's the kind of move you'd have to pull to get in there. Yeah, basically. So it's it's not uh, – it's this is not a large opening. It is not a large opening. No. The slot was used to add more salt or an occasional employee would toss in a piece of fruit to watch the explosive reaction. Oh, my God. They'd throw fruit into uranium. To watch it explode. <laughs> But to even reach this opening, you would first have to climb a steel ladder. It was designed this way to ensure no worker, or he'd have to be a very tiny worker, uh, (laughs) make sure no tiny worker or cobbler could accidentally fall into the vat. Okay. One worker described the vat thusly. It looked just like hell. If you were to look down at hell and there was a big hole in the ground... That's what it looked like. A big, open, red hole in the ground. Like a volcano. Well, Hemingway said, no adjectives. (laughs) He took it to heart. (laughs) Others described it as an extreme sauna. Extreme sauna? (laughs) That's a hot tub. I think you can see the difference between workers and management. I think you can. <laughs> Providing descriptions of the vat. <laughs> You'll see our extreme sauna. <laughs> Burn off a few calories. Pip, pip. <laughs> when Alan finally arrived at the vat, he noticed a strange sooty crust at its edge. Oh, my God. He'd never seen it before. And as he and another worker removed the large concrete lid via a hoist, they both noticed some bits of strange-coloured flotsam in the vat. Oh, dear. It seemed strange. But the two men carried on with their work regardless. Okay. Later in the day, Larry DeVere, a local police officer, who also worked as a security guard at the Fernald plant. What the fuck? Pay your public servants properly, America. Like, you shouldn't be a policeman on a 12-hour shift and then have to go do an eight-hour shift at your local atomic processing plant to make ends meet. Although we do know this county does send people with a flashlight down to the local bridge to wait for frogmen. <laughs> so maybe his time is better spent making sure no one steals uranium. Uh, yeah, make sure no, you know, communists walk up to the gate like, "Oh, hello. Yes, I I am I am an employee here. My, I am Joe Average. Yes. Uncle Sam, American good boy. Oh, I I hear of how good your boots are here, <laughs> and I would like to come and process your boots to beat those damn Ruskies, am I like? I bring large pot and uranium spoon. <laughs> To take home hot uranium for my I wife. Mean, I mean gas at all. I, I mean borscht. I mean, I mean, I mean hot dogs. <laughs> I make hot dogs in your large vat. Yeah, I am American. Yes. <laughs> oh, my Lord. So Larry DeVere, the local police officer, working as the security guard, called the Hamilton police and reported a worker had gone Missing. He, his first stop is to call the police. Mm-hmm. Not management. Mm-hmm. Not, not, fuck me, dead. This is the difference between the Russians and the Americans. Somehow, mm. 
they managed to blame all the failures and personal misery that happened in Russia in this period on mm. this failure of the state. No one fucking in America noticed that the exact same shit was happening to them, but they were just expected to pay for it. Mm. Mm. Fuck. I just, it, it just, there's very, there's so much about this that rings off my alarm bells. And it's like, if someone from your office goes missing, why is the security guard making that call? Yeah. You know, yeah. Why, why is upper management not doing it? <laughs> there's just some pure Elysium shit. Just get this bleeding guy off our bed. I don't want to ruin the sheets. Yeah. And they also didn't phone the wife. Oh. You know, or to, I don't, yeah, there's a lot, a lot Did of. Did they even yell his name out? <laughs> yeah, I know. Just Ask the cobbler. Open a little tin of food and tap it. <laughs> yep, tap some cigarettes. <laughs> Nothing. Ew. So he called the local police, reported a worker had gone missing. Yeah. After that, the police received a second phone call from a lawyer from Fernald's legal department. Oh, no. <laughs> the legal department. The legal department was the second call. Gotta love that. There's a big fucking rug. <laughs> oh. I'll just get my rug broom. <laughs> yes. Whips, Hold whips, this whips. corner up for me, would you please, orphaned child? <laughs> Don't stand there. There's uranium. <laughs> this gas. isn't a metaphor. That's literally your dad's ashes. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Ironically, these ashes are the hottest thing around here. <laughs> the Pol- legal department. Police came to the plant. Besides the disappearance, nothing unusual was noted. Oh, except, except, okay. just a small matter, um, the temperature in the vat in plant six dropped by 28 degrees twice over a 15-minute period at 5 a.m., which is actually a huge deal for something that is monitored 24-7 to ensure it stays at the same constant temperature and never moves really more than a degree or two. Because uranium's like risotto. You just can't fuck that. Mm. Once it's fucked, there's no unfucking it. Exactly. You don't. You can't unfuck that cow. Mm, you got to take that fucking uranium out to the creek out the back, <laughs> tip it in. Just like, oh, this time wasted. Fuck's sake. After this second dip in temperature, the temperature moved back to normal and stayed that way. But it still took over 24 hours for the decision to be made to look inside the vat in plant six. Oh, my So they went ahead and had a full day of processing uranium in the vat. First, the vat was drained. Okay. And then the remaining contents were cooled. No small feat. People were eventually lowered into the vat where they used chisels to break up the slag and then an air hammer was used. They found... What do you think they found? Well, I'm, at this point, I'm pretty sure they're only looking for boots so they can save their money. <laughs> <laughs> they found pieces of a walkie-talkie radio. Oh, man. An alligator clip like the ones used on name clips at the plant. Right. Wire that was consistent with the wire used from the plant's safety glasses. Oh. As well as the steel caps from a pair of... Workers' boots, 
and steal eyelet holes like the safety boots used at the plant. They also discovered multiple pieces of human bone. Multiple pieces of human bone. Yep. Because not only is it hot, it churns. They would also find one more thing in plant six. The other thing um, is <laughs> you, you have to imagine like when workers, you know, they saw a small as when workers used to throw fruit in, you would see basically it would, you know, bubble up inside until the skin of the fruit couldn't contain the liquid anymore and it would just explode yeah. outwards. They also found one more thing in Plant 6. They found a set of keys, which the police took to the locker room, where one of those keys opened David Bock's locker. It's pretty conclusive. All of this evidence had to pass through the plant's operators for safety before being handed to the police. Along with a long list of instructions, which included not handling the samples for long periods and no evidence was to be cut or crushed without wearing, quote, an air purifying respirator with a radionuclide filter cartridge, which wasn't exactly available at your local police station. No, it wasn't. Now, once scientists hypothesized that if a 180 pound man, which for David, it was around his way, if a 180 pound pound man fell into the vat that would make the temperature drop by approximately 25 to 30 degrees but again this was hypothetical because in over 30 years of operation no one had ever fallen into the vat can you imagine being the guy in accounts who's kind of good at maths (laughs) sitting there one day just doing your job and then comes the lawyer goes dave Mm. Hypothetically. Oh yeah, hypothetically. Okay. Oh, do we need another cobbler? No. Yeah, another cobbler. Maybe a lot of lot of boots. How? Just hypothetically, how far would the temperature drop Mm, mm. if someone say left a door open or no? You know, um, you know the you know the big guy, the blind guy who does maintenance. Oh, you know, really good family man. Really, really big man. Nice guy. Yeah. Nice guy. Family. Not not him specifically. Mm. Someone like him. Someone big. Someone big like him. Imagine if he. Yeah. Gollumed into the fucking hot vat like the end of Lord of the Rings. Oh, you mean, you mean the one with the really tiny slit? The, yeah. The one that no one, <laughs> no, I mean, no one could fall into it, you know? So I mean, hypothetically. Hi- oh, yeah, hypothetically, of course. Hypothetically, yeah. Or you know, maybe the door that was open blew him in. Yes. You know, <laughs> and he was all greased or something. <laughs> maybe his boots were slippery, but we know the boots here are good. Oh, good boots, mate. But just hypothetically, hypothetically. How, how much would that slow us down and cost us in dollars? <sighs> Oh, is this 9 to 5 or 12 to 8 a.m.? 12 to 8, mm. hypothetically. Mm. Mm. Could we save the boots? No. Oh. Boots too. Ooh. All right, I'm going to have to punch some figures. Um, can, I, can I get back to you on that one? With, I'll just I'll run some figures. Sure. The police yeah. are coming. Yeah. Oh, um, oh. We, we, nothing. Not, not related? No, uh, not at all. Oh, okay. No, because no, you, know, you know one of them works here. Oh, so he's he never sleeps. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I, yeah, it's, he's the guy who has the big envelope, lots of money. That that's one? the one. Yeah, yeah. The guy who turns a blind eye at Dave yeah. falling into a vat, which oh, is I'm hypothetical. Sorry, what? what? 
It, yeah, oh, yeah, no, okay. I, for a minute, I thought you said fell into a, fell into a, fell into a fat. Uh, Hypothetically. Okay. So, oh, like, I don't Fun day in that guy's career, wouldn't it? This is awkward. <laughs> There's no Google to look up 180 kilo yeah. man falling into a vat vectors. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, yeah. It's, it's one of those you go into days and you're like, I never thought I'd be talking about this today. <laughs> what a strange day. <sighs> now, the other thing to consider is the police investigation was further inhibited by the fact that the Fernald plant made their workers, before they started, sign a non-disclosure agreement that they were not allowed to discuss any aspect of their work, even to family members, or face a $10,000 fine and five years in prison. So this is back in the day. $10,000 is a lot more than it is now. It's still a lot. Yeah. (laughs) But one witness said that on the morning of David Doc's disappearance, David Box's disappearance, he saw David sitting in a car with a supervisor having what was described as a serious discussion at about 4am. Okay. And I read that and I'm like, does he mean sex? Are they, are they indulging in some wartime pleasure? I, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's a <laughs> it's an atomic processing plant. There's two big men like in a truck in the car park at 4am. Like <laughs> just, just don't wander up and look in the window. Give, them, give a man some privacy. Do you know what I mean? Like you'd be like, well. No, that's two consenting adults. Maybe they were just working on the fragrance for the new goop candle. <laughs> this is all this is all true. I'm sure it was just a very hypothetical conversation. Yes. Um, but the observer, dirty pervert, um, says it must have been serious because of the tr- the windows of the truck were all up, which may not seem that odd. But when you consider that it is a hot morning yeah. in summer, it's unusual for the windows to be up. Uh, that's you know, it's always a good sign when you want to raise a safety issue with your supervisor and they're like, come to my van. Yeah, yeah, let's uh, just chat in the car park. <laughs> I'm, I'm a good manager. I've got an open van policy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David Box was then seen heading back to his work in Plant 8, where David was scheduled to have been working. Plant 6 was a building that David Box would never have been scheduled to work in. Right. So there was no reason why he would ever visit Plant 6. But most shocking. Right. What do you think is the most shocking thing that I can say to you right now? What would shock you the most? What's going <gasps> to... That this was a genuine workplace accident and not a horrible case of industrial murder? The fact that apparently the lead detective on the case never even considered the possibility of this being a homicide. <laughs> he was too busy looking for frogmen down the river. Detective Alducci said, We had no reason to. <laughs> there was no indication, no evidence to show of any homicide. Okay. I don't know why I've gone Borat. I don't know why I chose that accent. But <laughs> he's a bit of a dick, so we're going with that. Yeah, that's good. That's fine. Uh, there's no indication, no evidence to show of any homicide. He also said, what we were determined was that he wanted, he wanted to commit suicide. 
<laughs> he had to get back, run up those steps, and either jump <laughs> or dive in that small opening. Just Eugene Coombs your way through this tiny little grate. Yeah. The six foot one, 200 pound man. Yeah. Decided to climb up to a steel ladder yeah. and physically force his body through a mailbox sized opening yeah. that was glowing hot to touch to inch his way into volcanic radioactive lava. Yeah. Rather than go on a trip to Florida with his kids. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> I know when you put it like that. Not his kids, Florida. Yeah. Um, yeah. The six foot one, yeah. 200 pound man. Yeah. Pushed himself through yeah. the mailbox opening, which meant he would have killed, he committed suicide an inch at a time. Very, very committed. You know what? That's, that shows the true American spirit because any, any American can, can get a gun. Well, any American can jump off one of their many mm, cantilever bridges. Mm, mm. Anyone, any American could stand in front of a train mm, mm. or hang themselves. Mm. Anything like that. It takes true freedom to lower yourself <laughs> slowly into a man-made volcano. And just the grit and yeah. the determination <laughs> as your entire body is melted away yeah. inch by inch, starting with your pinkies. <laughs> Start. He's sitting there. He's fuck, he's first doing. It. He goes, "Oh, the boots are gone. I'm committed." Oh, but the thing is, there were two dips over a 15 minute period. Oh, so he's <laughs> that means okay. Basically, he has got up to his genitals. So his entire legs have been inched away, and then it got to the meat and the veg. And he's went, "Oh, you know what? Maybe I'm thinking about this." Pulled it, hoisted it, used that. In- superior upper body strength that pipe fitters have. God bless that he had it to so just. Pull himself back out of the vat to be like, you know what? Maybe I don't want the meat and veg to go in. <laughs> Just Lieutenant Dan. And he comes. <laughs> That's it. After he'd Lieutenant Dan himself and then went, oh, no, you know what? I am not a quitter. I am many things, but I am not a quitter, sir. And then dragged his little half-burnt body. Then he Lieutenant Dan's himself back in. Back into it. And he couldn't have even been cosplaying Darth Vader because they oh. didn't have Star Wars then. Yeah, yeah. If you were going to do it, you'd lie there going, oh, I hate you. I hate you. As you roll around. Ah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Well, yeah, now we know the inspiration for Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, we do. This fucked up power plant. Yeah. Like, uranium plant. Yeah. So, yeah. They, so they never, ever considered homicide. Why would you? Why, oh, my God. You, we've just explained it. We've just role-played exactly what happened. Why? Why? That's so logical. Of course that what happened. Nothing else makes sense. Like, I mean, if you're working in the poison cloud acid floor labyrinth. Yeah. I mean, who'd want to kill someone working in this utopia? I Oh, my God. I mean, forget about the fact where you can literally just go and stand and plant one and you'll be dead in five minutes. <laughs> the bees. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Worst Nicolas Cage movie ever. But anyway. Oh, Lord. So, as well as losing their father, as it was deemed as a suicide. Oh, that's where the lawyers were there. His children 
received no monetary compensation from the plant for his death as it was ruled a suicide. Yep. Freedom is That's my eagle. Would you believe there was a rumour? No. That David Box was about to become a whistleblower (gasps) on the Fernald plant. Just what he was blowing the whistle on sounds like his supervisor in the car park at 4 a.m., but that's a a side story. You want new boots? (laughs) I'm not talking cobbler boots. I'm talking new boots. You come and see me in my Trans Am. (laughs) I'll tap that nail. (laughs) I'll be smoky. No, I'll be the bandit. You'll be smoky. Oh, so just what he was blowing the whistle on, as well as the evidence he had, seemed to have died with him. Oh, man. But then, in December of 1984, the Cincinnati Enquirer ran the headline on the front page. NLO checking possible uranium leak. Really? It went on to say that. And, and I, 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 oh my God, I love it. Just a uranium leak from this Willy Wonka shit. I know, I know. Who knew? The, my favourite part of this sentence is the word that they've gone with, first of all, the first word in this sentence, yeah. okay? Because uh, we're talking about a nuclear production facility, Yeah. okay? Unacceptably, large amounts of uranium dust may have escaped from NLO's Fernald uranium processing plant. Unacceptably large amounts, any amount <laughs> of radioactive material. Okay, not unex- oh, just oh, just a little bit of radiation, just a little bit of death. You know, just a little bit of atomic. That's fine. Just a, a smattering. You know, it's that salt guy of uranium. <laughs> salt bay. <laughs> no, there is no salt. There is no uranium salt bay. Any amount of uranium material is not acceptable. <laughs> Just send a guy out there with a net. That's what they've been doing. <laughs> Just, oh, I'll the catch, bees! I'll, I'll catch, catch the, the bees. fugitive emissions. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to catch the neutrons. I'm very fast. Oh my god, this is a poor cobbler with some nails just trying to like <laughs> strike at the air. Oh my god, unacceptably large amounts. We're going to send a man out there who doesn't have asthma and give him a straw and he can blow in the direction <laughs> away from the of town. Of Russia! We will blow the radiation to Russia. Oh, oh good Americans, come to your front porch and blow, <laughs> blow for America. <laughs> <laughs> People turning blue out of patriotism. (laughs) While branding goes red. (laughs) We're a blue and red family. What are you blowing? (laughs) Oh, my God. There's another bit of merch. Blow for America. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if you ain't blowing, you ain't shit. (laughs) Oh, oh, fucking. Oh, that'll be on Fox News. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh my God, just all these bumper stickers. I blow. (laughs) I blow for America, commie. (laughs) Do you blow? I blow. (laughs) Hillary sucks. (laughs) I blow. (laughs) Oh, my God.
my God. How do we not write campaign logos? I don't know. <laughs> Bernie would have won if it was us. Oh, 100%. Oh, no. my God. Ooh, okay. I'm asking you one more time to blow for Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> do not blow the radiation to Vermont, where I fucking live. <laughs> and we will blow the healthcare <laughs> into the poor and into the disadvantaged suburbs. How can how come you cannot do any American accents except for Southern Bells and Bernie Sanders? <laughs> you can, that's a very specific. That is my fucking life. If I could explain that, I'd know why I'm fucking single. I'd know why my fucking life has turned out like this. Oh my uh, god! You go on like a better, like one of those talent shows on TV. <laughs> oh my god! If uh. I would have been like you know the uh, what's her name who made a living when the Tea Party chick was in charge, you oh, know? Oh yeah, uh, the one who uh, stood in front of turkeys while they were being killed on TV. <laughs> I like. Oh my god! That's if like the st- cavalcade of horrors that we can't even remember the last horror before Trump. I know. Oh, my God. What was her name? Oh, she could see Russia from her... Yeah, from Alaska. Oh, she'd blow radiation onto Alaska. Oh, my God. (laughs) She blows with her lips. She does pussy farts and farts at them all at the same time. Oh, my God. That woman was so fucking stupid. You know she'd be like, I'm going to blow. I'm going to blow this radioactive dust. (gasps) It takes a huge (laughs) breath in. (laughs) Damn it. She's done it again. (laughs) Oh, Oh God. God. Now, I'm, okay. I'm actually going to Google it and I'm going to use the terms dumb right-wing American woman from Alaska. <laughs> oh, my God. I know I've forgotten her name. Yeah. Uh, are you going to say it? And I know I'm going to say it. Um, the Tea Party lady. You're going to say it. right-wing Tea <laughs> Party lady. Let's see how biased Google is. Yeah. Oh, it's given us Christine O'Donnell at the start. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. <laughs> I'm screenshotting that because that is going on our Instagram. <laughs> Who's Christine I O'Donnell? I don't know. <laughs> You're a fucking bitch by the sounds of it, Christine O'Donnell. There you go. Google has judged you when you've been You're found really... wanting. <laughs> I've got to add Alaska. Yeah, Alaska. <laughs> oh, what was her name? Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin. Of course it was Sarah Palin. Oh my god! If now, if there's someone who sucked, it was fucking Sarah Palin. Oh yeah. Oh lord. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the the story claimed <laughs> was there an election poster? It was just her blowing a bald eagle. <laughs> <laughs> just a very confused eagle. <laughs> I don't even have a penis. I've got a cloaca. <laughs> I'll find your American dick. <laughs> I'll suck the freedom right out of you like snake poison. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I must oh give you god. one more time. Oh my god! I've, I've even got like this. we're blowing for freedom. <laughs> Kid Rock in the background. <laughs> David Hasselhoff and Kid Rock on a thing. <laughs> you ain't gonna tell me what to blow. <laughs> Have you seen Kid Rock's new song? Oh, oh it's amazing. No. It's exactly the kind of song that has only ever been performed in one other universe yeah. and halfway through it was interrupted by a mum bringing cookies down the stairs. That's the kind of music it is. Mum, oh. you ain't going to tell me how to live. And he literally rides a rocket that's made of a middle finger flying up into space while he shoots guns into the air. Oh, God. It's I... fucked up. And all these people are commenting on YouTube going, it's the kid rock we missed. 
Oh, okay. Maybe we can we fucking blow him at fucking North Korea. <laughs> I want to see Bernie Sanders do ball with a daba. That'd be good. Ball with a daba. Dangy dang diggy diggy. Diggy with the boogie and upshot the boogie. Isn't that the porn version? <laughs> Back to the news story. Okay, so the news story claimed that the dust may have escaped through a faulty filter in an exhaust system for three months. That all? For three months. <laughs> Unacceptably large amounts. For three months. Okay. The Fernald plant, however, insisted that everything was fine. Of course they did. But was it really? Was it really? There was no way the government could not have known uranium was not only far from harmless, but outright deadly. Yeah. Uranium miners from the 50s were already showing much higher rates of lung and renal disease and cancers. But scientists hired by the Department of Energy and the NLO insisted that everything was safe. Meanwhile, workers at the Fernald plant would taste. Oh, Jesus. Taste. Put in their mouth. Yeah. Radioactive salts to figure out if they would be good for lab samples. Are you fucking kidding me? That's some radium watch dial painted bullshit. Just see if it would be, oh yeah, send this upstairs, this will be good. Well, well, is in it cocaine? Mouth. Just rub it on your gums, mate. In their mouth. I don't know, I guess if it fizzles more, it's got more uranium. If your teeth fall out, that's a good That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one upstairs. Yeah. In their Mouth. And all this is happening on the same river system that somehow produces mutant frogmen. In their mouth. Wow. They wouldn't legalise gay marriage, but they will put radioactive salts in their mouth. <laughs> you want to put a dick in your mouth, faggot? Why don't you put some radioactive <laughs> salt in there like a man? Yeah, America. My chewing tobacco? No, that's my own facial tissue. <laughs> <laughs> It just steams come up. Now, that is acid. You will not want to step in that. <laughs> or if you can, I know a good cobbler. So these guys definitely aren't blowing the guy in his Trans Am out the back. Ooh, As no. his dick just fizzles like a biblical pile of salt. Now, back to – we talked earlier that the reason everyone felt safe, okay, because management is like, you are fine. We have safety procedures. And you know why you're safe? Because we're going to give you this little badge. And this little badge is going to go do-do-do if there's any uranium, anything you need to worry about. So unless you hear the do-do-do, you get to do-do-do nothing. Yeah. (laughs) So they wore the badges that management instructed would turn red if there was too much radiation. Yeah. Do-do-do. These badges were a deadly joke. As one worker described... Quote, we used to take the dorsima badges and lay them right on top of uranium and leave them there for damn near the whole shift. The badges rarely turned red. (laughs) On the rare occasion a badge turned red, apparently, (laughs) oh my lord, apparently the bosses would declare the badge faulty (laughs) and giving off false tittle-tittle positives. Oh, my Lord. 
But workers did know there were hot spots all around the plant and would instruct new workers or visitors to never stand in certain places around the plant. Don't know if radiation works like that. No, they have that. In, they have that in Chernobyl now. They oh it, yeah, they still have like weird, you know, hot spots where you're like, okay, this area is not too fine. You go into one spot and it just goes off the dial. Yeah, they're not sure why you have these curious hot spots. They had them at the plant. <laughs> God. And I guess also they'd have bits where you know if the pipes were leaking. You know, okay, don't stand over there because there's definitely going to be more of the bee gas over there. <laughs> now, while investigating the David Box incident, poor man in a vat, obviously climbed, Darth Vader himself into yeah. the vat. Yeah. Um, oh, my God, maybe that's what he did to Obi-Wan Kenobi. He framed him. Oh. He climbed himself into that nuclear. I was like, oh, look what Obi-Wan Kenobi did to me. As he inches himself in like yeah. a bastard. Then he goes and sees the cobbler and he gets new legs. <laughs> oh, my God. That's literally. <laughs> that's what that little flashing red box is on Darth Vader's <laughs> chest. That's his little badge. <laughs> oh, my God. This is the whole plot of like, what is it? The clown. The, the clown the wars. Clown, the clown wars. <laughs> oh, there's a juggalo Star Wars I'll watch. <laughs> Oh, no. So, yeah, while looking into the incident, the police learned that David had been seeing a psychiatrist as sometime before he had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Now, David had been seeing the psychiatrist for some time and with the psychiatrist's help had managed to quit drinking and was on medication to treat his schizophrenia. Cool. He now had his life back in order. In fact, when police searched his home, the police found his medication and the number of pills and prescriptions remaining indicated that David was taking his medication daily and taking it correctly. In fact... David Box psychiatrist Clifford Gruley the Third. Hey. Hey. Clifford was scheduled to formally give evidence that he did not believe David was suicidal. But the psychiatrist never got to give that evidence as the good doctor was ruled to have died by suicide on October the 2nd, 1985. Oh my God. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, wow. He couldn't reveal that the man who had <coughs> been murdered committed suicide um, was himself committed suicide. What did he lower himself into? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find any explanation of how um, he apparently uh, committed suicide. But... Earlier in August of 1985, the Cincinnati Inquiry published a story about another man, 33-year-old Larry Hicks, who, according to his widow, had also been killed by the plant. Jesus Christ. Dun, dun, dun. This is where we're going to cut it off. We're going to let you have a toilet break, uh, go and maybe cry into your tissues, blow an eagle for freedom. <laughs> and then we want you to come back, uh, keep watching our site. We'll put a post up a couple of days, probably on the Wednesday. Um, yep. We'll release part two of all I went to Ferdinand and all I got was this 100 
billion dollar cleanup. <laughs> How are you feeling so far with this story? How do you feel about America? Well, the mutant frogmen around this place is the least of their problems. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that in part four of our odyssey. Da, da, da.